So I got bit by a scorpion. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, like, you could never have a more stereotypical desert incident. I know. And it was like, um, it was like hours before, like I was supposed to do this, in, like the Zoom meeting and like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to cancel it. Oh yeah. And what just ended up happening is like, I got like goose, like, I think you can kind of see it like on my arm. Like, oh where yeah. The bruises. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it felt like my arm was on fire for about five hours. Yeah. And then it kind of went away and then my arm went numb for about another one or two hours. It was just the weirdest thing. Wow. I, did you go to... No, no, no. They have to. care or anything? No? No, no. I, uh, for everything that we read and saw, it's just like you go called poison control. And sure. Poison control was just said, you're fine. Did like, you catch it? Yeah, I caught this caught, killed it. Um how big was it? It's about um it's about the size of the head of the microphone. Oh, so that's a bigger one cuz they I yeah. mean, well, relatively speaking. Yeah. I mean, the, the the they say, right, that the smaller ones are the most poisonous. I I maybe I don't know. I it wasn't um I mean, either way with I got two kids in my house. Mm-hmm. So like if that's if it had been one of the, or sung one of them, mm-hmm. it would have been a whole different story. I mean, I, I'm happy to take one for the team. <laughs> um, but I, it was just the weirdest feeling. Like, I felt like, oh, great. Now I'm in Arizona. And, like, you know. Yeah, I have, I've lived here. What? How old am I? 38? You've lived here for like 28 years now, 28 right? 28 years. I've never been bitten by a scorpion. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about experience, man. Well, let's introduce <laughs> the show and I'll, I'll tell you my scorpion experience. So, this is Mental Platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. You can find us on the social medias at mental underscore platypus. Um, and you can email us by going to mentalplatypus.com and hitting the contact page, sending us a form email. You can also, while you're there, find uh, our many, many recommendations over the course of the show. And um, if you'd like to help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash hoot and waddle, uh, five bucks a month. We'll get you a bonus pod, you know, which who couldn't use more of us. Uh, and you can find uh, my friend Jason here at Jason E. Kyle, K-E-I-L, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can find the uh, archives of Jared's uh, Twitter and Instagram's account at uh, Twitter at LTD underscore engagement. Uh, and I'm going to bring him back an oldie but goodie. Drop the underscore like it's hot for the instas. Or pictures of his cat. I think that's the fastest we might have gotten through all of the business up at the top. Yeah. Ever. That's that's pretty solid. I'm yeah. proud of that. So the scorpion thing. Um, I yeah. The, the, I don't know if it was just the the areas that I was in or, or what, but didn't see many of them growing up. And then uh, I was at um, my my apartment that I was in between a couple of relationships and this was back when i had uh allison this was the pre-susu days um you know you i named your you named the cat allison i did was uh, her aim true it was yeah no so that was uh, well that's a whole other story how, how, because she she was almost uh she was almost Ver- veronica cat uh, <laughs> She was also almost sulky cat, and uh, 
And uh, thankfully, my friend who went with me was like, no, those are terrible. Pick something else. So I went with Allison. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, Veronica, I mean, would have been just in the... Veronica, I think I could have gotten away with, yeah, mm. yeah, but I don't know what I, what, yeah, but Allison was good. She was a, she was an Allison. She, she was my cat for uh, fourteen, fourteen years. Um, and uh, anyway, another black cat. Too. Did you sometimes wish you could stop her from crying when you <laughs> hear the silly news <laughs> <laughs> that she'd say? <laughs> yeah. Um, Exactly. You That's, probably couldn't stand to see her that way. No, <laughs> no. Not at okay, all. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Anyway, uh, she was a great hunter. Uh, Susu is a great finder and looker of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a great hunter. She just kind of like will maybe smack something a little bit and then be like, eh. But Allison, she was a hunter. And she, um, so one time, uh, there was, uh, you know, and, and this was, I, I had, uh, the, you know, how it goes between relationships, especially for me when I shed all of my stuff and start over again. Yeah. Um, so I just, I had, uh, I had like a, a Casper mattress on the floor mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, then, um, and, and that was it pretty much in, in the bedroom. And, um, I, I was doing some, I don't remember exactly what I was doing, but suddenly I saw her like jump up and surprise like, what the fuck? And I went over and looked and she had, she had cornered a scorpion and got stung in the, in, a, in her paw. Oh uh, yeah. I was always, so that cat, you know, I, I, that, that was like a, you know, I, I, I've always been more sensitive and concerned about my my cats than I've ever been about myself. So I was like, Oh no, what's going to happen? You can't die. You're my only friend. Um, that of course wasn't true, but you know, anyway, it was an, it was an interesting experience. It also led to me, um, moving in with the next person sooner than, um, probably should have, but cause, uh, cause I, I grabbed the cat and, and brought her over. Um, and, uh, and then I, then, we didn't. We didn't leave again. So, oh, dude, it's like sad on a number of levels. It, I, yeah, I mean, all I got was like a cool bruise and some numbness, and you like lost a cat and a. Oh no, no, no she didn't die. She yeah. was fine. Yeah, we just we moved in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is it. Just, but it still seems sad on multiple levels. It kind of was. I mean, yeah. she she was around for a, a few years after that, but she was definitely, you know, very. She had been with me through my marriage, and then divorce, and then the next relationship, and then, yeah. So I that I actually that the stories that cat could tell. Exactly. Well, not anymore because she's dead. But um, <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting. It's, you know that she and I uh, lived together much longer than any relationship that I've been in, which is, <laughs> is pretty funny. Um, anyhow, we're, we're not here to talk about sad cat stories and scorpion bites. We're, we're here to listen to Susu use the cat box. <laughs> Doing some business. It's, you know, it's, it's now like... That's what happens when you talk about another cat in your presence. She's like, yeah, I'm going to take a dump right on this story. <laughs> yeah. Um, Want to talk about another cat? Well... 
Fuck you guys. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take a shit. I, I think that she considers it part of the programming at this point. She's just, I'm pretty sure she's in the box at least once per episode. <laughs> <laughs> she saves it up. Well, I mean, you know, Susu is like a one gal cat. And, in, indeed. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we're talking about one man guy. I see what you did there. Yeah. It's yeah. called the good transition. <laughs> so I'm curious. I, I, I've I'd heard this song before. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, for those who don't know and who may need a reminder in case you're in case you're just joining us. We're working our way through the Nick Hornby songbook, and we've reached uh, what is it, song five? Yep. Um, and it is "One Man Guy" by uh, Rufus Wainwright, um, and originally by his dad. Yeah. Loudon. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is that I have interviewed Lowian and Martha, and I've met Rufus a couple of times. So so you're tight with the Wainwrights? I'm tight with the Wainwrights. <laughs> I, they're all phenomenally talented. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I mean... Probably my favorite still is Loudon, though. Loudon? Uh, well, Rufus was my entryway. Um, I mean, I, I flirt with the McGarrigals every once in a while. Sure, but, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, Great harmonies. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, Rufus was my gateway. And then when the opportunity... I've listened to Loudon and... Um, Outside of Dead Skunk, and I <laughs> know him from his cameos and in, in appearances in um, Elizabeth Town and, and Judd Apatow movies. I was going to say, yeah, he's in uh, he's in Knocked Up, right? Yep. He's in. Uh, is he in This Is Forty also? Um, I don't think he, it's been a while since I've watched that one. The big, I mean, the big role, the big musician role in that one is Graham Parker, which is just always so odd to me. It's like. Yeah, that, I'm happy to see him. It's like it's great. Graham Parker's getting some attention, but how many people watching that film knew who Graham Parker was? Right, and, and I'm sure like that's how you knew Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham was like quite the actress because she's like, you know, yeah, waxing poetic about Graham Parker as if you know she knows who he is. He is. Yeah, and for all we know, I mean, she does. Maybe she does. Yeah, she. I think she's still dating Jack Antonoff. So yeah, maybe. So maybe she does know who Graham Parker is, but you know, let's just assume that she doesn't. <laughs> Indeed, uh, and I mean, of course, he was what he was on Mash. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on Undeclared. Yeah, that's also have to yeah Undeclared, which was canceled way before its time. Much like its well, so, yeah, exactly. Geeks. Freaks and Geeks was also. Um, very much scheduled. Anyway, he's one of my favorite interviews. He, he seems just, like a really cool guy. He's he's funny. He's got some like there's some edge, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he gave me shit every once in a while, and deservedly so. <laughs> I mean, but he's he's also Canadian. He's no, he's American. He's technically American. I his, I think some of the Canadian stuff ran off, you know, uh, rubbed off, rubbed off a little bit. Well, I mean, Canadian rub-off is a thing. <laughs> I wouldn't know. 
I, I, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds dirty. Well, no, I, I mean, there was that one time at a strip club, but... <laughs> oh, boy. This is a family podcast. Is it? <laughs> I'm kidding, but... Um, but, yeah, I mean, Loudon, Loudon is great. So, I, I actually, I believe I heard Loudon before Rufus... Um, and I think I think Loudon's great. I, there's there's really not there's really not a bad Loudon Wainwright album. No, I mean there are some varying degrees of quality, but you got yeah. I mean, I mean it's he, like a he, he, his, especially his his what like first I don't know I'd say first four or five albums in a row, just one of the strongest debut streaks. Right, and but it's like Sparks. It's like each one's kind of different lyrically. Sure. And like what, depending on what he's done in his life and what the kind of band he can get together. And yeah, I mean, he went through a stretch. Uh, well, I don't know if it was a stretch, but at some time in the eighties working with Richard Thompson. Yeah. Oh, uh, but you know, so it's, it's his song. Uh, and, but what Hornby is discussing is, uh, and really he doesn't say a ton about the song itself, uh, but it's, it's Rufus's version. Mm hmm. Which is vastly different from Loudon's. Yes. Well, I mean, because Loudon's is, and I, I think Loudon has a great voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't quite have the range that Rufus does or that Martha does, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think it's a pretty powerful voice. Well, sometimes you're trained in opera, and sometimes you're Loudon Wainwright. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> very true. More 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 natural, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but his, his is very definitely. Uh, playing with the cynicism and and the 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 just outright humor of of being essentially a loner, mm-hmm. um, you know, or at least somebody who likes being alone. Right. Well, I mean, as he as he puts it, as as um, sorry, I dropped my pen there. Um, the joke of the song is not that it's about the joys of monogamy, but about the joys of solipsism and misanthropy. Uh, misanthropy. Yes. A joke that has given a neat little twist uh, by Wainwright Jr.'s sexual orientation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because now suddenly being sung by a gay man, it's it's got double meaning. Yeah. Well, I mean, the title, of, and if you want to think it, go further, uh, I, I wrote a joke in here is that uh, one man guy, he talks about the divinity of the song and the way that mm-hmm. this version of the song, I'm like, well, if you want to bring divinity into it, I mean, the ultimate one-man guy would be G-O-D. Sure. Depending on your belief system. Yeah, or, you know, yeah, exactly. And so it's interesting to me, though. So what do you want to say about the song itself? Because I, because, again, Hornby doesn't say a ton about it. He, he, but he does play with something that I am interested in discussing, which is how, especially for perhaps non-spiritual people or non-religious people such as myself um, that often music is the most is the closest we get to some sort of transcendence yeah well he's definitely not wrong i I just think how we the spot where he finds it in the song uh that's a stretch um you mean specifically where martha when martha comes comes in in. on harmonies um I, i don't think he's wrong but i think it's I don't know. It's if that's how Hornby feels when he listens to that song. I'm not going to take that away from him. Not that he's listening. Are you, Nick? Because <laughs> like you know, yeah. all those times I tag you on Twitter. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, 
Um, but um, I, I like the song. It's still like a cover song. It's not. It's not even the best song on the album, uh, the Poses album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of his breakthrough album, right? It was the second one, but it's definitely the one that got him on a lot of soundtracks. Yeah. Um, definitely, I think, raised his profile. Um, got, um, it, 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 um, so, yeah, I, I, you're right. It is kind of his breakthrough album. It was, I think, even better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like his debut a lot. It's definitely my favorite Rufus Wainwright album. Um, still, after so many, he's done. But, I mean, it's... Um, I, I, yeah, I, the, there are other songs, I think, that conjure up the feeling that Rufus has done, that covers the feeling that Hornby talks about. And there are other songs that don't have two-part harmonies mm-hmm. that don't, uh, that conjure up a spiritual feeling that even aren't religious. I, you know, it's what, but it, I think the one that I I I I, I pointed out with maybe kind of a cheat. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. I I I was thinking. Uh, well, I of course, and I'm thinking. Of course, Hornby feels something because he comes from because uh, Wainwright comes from the Cohen school of you know di- divine sounding music. Right. I'm thinking. Well, how Leah technically isn't a. Uh, uh, a church song, but definitely invokes something. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely divine references. It it, it does, and it, it it is one of those songs for sure that, in its in its delivery, seemingly regardless of who delivers it, I I still I still am partial to the Cohen original, um, but it it definitely makes you feel something uh, in. In that kind of way, without it being, you know, without pegging it to one deity or another, it definitely has uh, a, it has a quality that that just kind of opens you up and makes you feel something other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it's played by every year on American Idol. They should just make it a rule, like, <laughs> yeah, like just put up a sign like in the backstage and said. No, like just like the no stairway to heaven sign in Wayne's world, like yeah. no, hallelujah, like at all. But yeah, there, I mean, there does thankfully because uh, you know I, I don't uh, watch a American Idol at all, and I, I, and I there's a lot of stuff that I managed to be able to avoid somehow. Um, that song has not been overplayed to me. So oh, uh, there's a whole book about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, and, and it definitely is. It is overcovered and um, and and so forth. But it's you know, so it's, it's interesting. I think something that Hornby doesn't talk about, but which I, I think we might know in, in, enough to touch on, is that um, Loudon wasn't necessarily like the best father. Oh no, he, from, he by all accounts. No, he freely um, admits that. Like. Many times, and to the point where his his daughter Martha, whose voice I love and whose music I love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like basically called him an asshole in her opening set for him. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, Martha. I, I, I remember Martha. Uh, well, I 
I remember asking Martha, like, why is like you and Rufus have this very direct mm-hmm. uh, lyrical approach? Uh, you bring a lot of uh, your drama uh, or a lot of your personal. Oh, her especially. It. Her yeah. especially. Like, yes. Like, well, have you heard my dad? <laughs> like, yeah. And like, because I mean, Rufus has been the topic of many songs of his mm-hmm. um, anything from Rufus is a tip man to yes yeah <laughs> uh, as and vice versa uh, like you said Martha uh, same thing with Martha and uh, dinner at eight off of what one one is about Loudon mm-hmm. uh, and he and he knows it and at least at the time I talked to him he he knew it like he, he knows that he he's still He's aware of where he is in his child, his children's lives right now. The ones mm-hmm. that, the famous ones, anyway. Yes. Uh, um, or the more well known, pro- well known ones. Yeah. Um, I think at the time he they were doing this, they were kind of getting along. But. Well, I mean, so in in listening to this song, which I, and it's interesting, I don't have I don't have any Rufus uh, at all, which is. And I, I like Rufus's voice. Mm-hmm. I just didn't connect with him as much as I did with Loudon, yeah, or with Martha because I have all of Martha's albums, yeah. Um, I, yeah, you know, and the one that she does with her sister is is pretty fucking amazing. Oh yeah. Um, well, if you're gonna, you should definitely listen to. If you haven't listen to beyond the song i would definitely choose poses oh, i've heard poses yeah yeah it's like his and want one and one two are good um i don't know if i've heard want two i definitely heard uh, want one mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's not that i i don't know for for some reason there's and again let me go back to the thing that i i like his voice a lot it's a beautiful voice but it's also there's something about it to me that I don't know. There's there's something that that just there's there's so much behind it. There's so much drama in his voice, mm-hmm. uh, and there's th- these kind of like vocal acrobatics that, to me, at points feel like it's just, hey, look what I can do with my voice. Uh, <laughs> and not I, everyone can do that. <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah. it's very true. But and technically great. But mm. I don't get the same sort of I don't get the same sort of like gut-wrenching emotional feeling that I get from Martha. Right. So do you think uh do you think like it's written this song in particular that adding Martha kind of puts a rein in on that? I I do think it does. Uh and their their harmonizing is fantastic. When I was listening mm-hmm. to this song, I, I also listened to a couple of versions where uh there were live versions that had uh, Loudon playing with them too. Mm-hmm. There's one that had uh, that had uh, Loudon, Lucy, Martha, and Rufus, and that they like took turns on verses and and that sort of thing. And and it's it's fantastic. And hearing them all sing together is is very um, kind of chill inducing. And and I think that there's something that's more earnest to this version of, to Rufus's version of it than there is to Loudon's version. Loudon's version definitely leans more heavily on the humor of it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I probably prefer this version to Loudon's, but like, like I say, overall, 
I, I find that I'm drawn more to Loudon's music and to Martha's music than I am to Rufus's. Well, I, I, I think, well, I mean, I know you. I can see why you would be more drawn to Loudon's music. What are you talking about? I mean... <laughs> Is it because of the sign that follows me around that says Cynical Bastard? <laughs> um, I mean... <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, and I like. I mean, I'm. I haven't. I'll be perfectly honest. I don't think I've like listened to any new Rufus in probably a decade. Sure. He kind of. Well, he disappeared for a little while. Well, yeah. He's he's been in recovery. Yeah. Um. And I mean, they're only. Um, they're only, and he's been doing like operas and stuff, and which is fine. I just. Um, I think he kind of lost me at to, to your point about the acrobatics. He did like the whole like a whole recreation of the Judy 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 yeah show, which is great to listen to or be at once. Mm-hmm. But that's you know it is a lot of acrobatics and things sure. that I I particularly just don't relate to in mm-hmm. any way. But those like those first three albums of his, like I just fell for hard. Because, like, it's about longing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking chocolate milk. Right. Things that I like to do. There's the great, gar- and there's a great gardens song in there, too. It's mm-hmm. just beautiful, especially with the snippets of the, of the sisters. And mm. it's just, I, I, I like it, uh, a lot. But, like, to your point, like, I, Loudon is definitely a more, relatable dude mm-hmm. i like i know that guy like he's sitting across from me <laughs> yeah. speaking to a microphone talking about his problems mm-hmm. so yep but uh <laughs> the uh, the other thing i i wrote here i didn't take a lot of notes on this one because it's only three pages long yeah I, yeah go ahead Let's but see. like and so there's the whole like uh you know of course, the whole Cohen school of Leonard Cohen school of like emotional things, but his whole thing about the um, like the core, like the um, second verse mm-hmm. when uh, uh, Martha comes in, like with the harmonies, I'm like, like, does that happen like every time you hear a harmony? Like, do you hear God and the Eagles? Do you well, hear I, God in a barbershop quartet? Like I think what he's saying there though is is it's it's sort of it's sort of like religion in a way, right? In mm. that you have to be it has to you have to be open to it and be receptive at that point mm-hmm. in time. And sort of it just there's there is something about the melding of their voices and good harmonies they they can happen without having that sort of resonance. I think mm-hmm. to Eagles to your to your point, which you know, there's a, you hear them sing Seven Bridges Road. Oh yeah, you know, and that's uh, yeah. There's something about it that's that's fantastic. But Seven Bridges Road is so awesome. <laughs> it, it is, but I also don't know that I w- I would say that that's ever been a song that was like chill inducing or or spine tingling kind of thing yeah it's technically fantastic yeah you know their their voices you know meld together in a way that they clearly never personally did because of their various egos but 
you know, the, the, there's something in, in that instance, it's like, okay, it's, it's amazing that this happened in light of their contentious relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and so there's that to it, but it's, there's, I'm trying to think of a good example of, um, they're just, there are certain times where it's like listening to the Finn brothers for me. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and they don't do it every time either. But when they're singing, for instance, like Won't Give In. Okay. Um, you know, there's, um, there, there are a, a couple of particular, you know, lyrical passages in that. Well, that's um, a good example, too, because Tim and Neil have never. I mean, they've not always been the best of friends. They've always had a brotherly relationship. Yeah, they, they, it seems to go in and out. But, um, I mean, you know, I mean, when, they're, you've, they're, when you've played together as long as they have, uh-huh. dating from split ends through... Well, isn't, like, Neil's ego the reason why Cry House was formed anyway? No, no, no. Okay, well, do we want to get into this? Because, <laughs> because I'll tell you, the thing is that it's actually Tim's ego. Oh, okay. Because... Tim was leaving Split Ends to pursue solo career uh-huh. um, and thinking he was going to be hot shit and then the world didn't really care, but he left N- Neil holding the bag for Split Ends so they did like one last album and tour uh, without Tim and then broke up and then right. he eventually gets to Crowded House, House through, which, through, through I, that fallout. And, and if then I Crowded recall, House I'm, becomes much, much more successful. Right. And if I recall, like half of the band is former Splends people. Eh, and I'll correct you again. So Yeah, the, yeah the, you know, I'm saying this thing because I know you're going to correct me. <laughs> the, I, the, you're, you're asking me a kind of information I haven't thought about in decades. So The, the, the last drummer of Split Ends was Paul Hester, so that's yes. correct. But... Um, and he also only appears on the very final album, I believe, uh, and was on tour with them for the last the last tour. But um, the, like the last pre reunion tours, because they did a whole bunch of anniversary tours afterwards. But um, and then rounded out by um, by Nick Seymour, who was not in in, in okay. the band at all. He was just uh, around in the scene, from what I gotcha. I know. Well, thank you. That was well, Crowded House Corner. House, yeah. Um, <laughs> because we can't go through an episode without talking about Finn. <laughs> um, there's, there's definitely a, a few drinking games I'm sure that people could institute based on recurring things like mentioning Springsteen or Squeeze or, Squeeze or the Finns or probably Elvis Costello in there too. Um, uh, or, or quoting from the Big Lebowski. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we do have our tropes, but yes, I, 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 I would, there's, there's also, this goes back to our, our discussion of Thunder Road, for instance, too, okay, because yeah. for me, and it's not even the studio version, it's, it's an acoustic version of it, uh, a, a more recent acoustic version of it where, um, where he, he gets to the point where he's, he's, um, where uh, you know, like scared that we maybe we're not that young anymore, mm. you know. And and I remember hearing this particular version of it and just like suddenly bawling. Mm-hmm. It was it, but it was also not just because because I'd heard this song a million times, and it just happened to be that version on that day 
because of what I was going through. Yeah. Like that perfect confluence of that made me open up in a way that, 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 you know, for me only happens with music and it has to be this, this perfect storm of, 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 of a situation where it all, you know, all those, those receptors are, are open. Um, and I, I, maybe, maybe it is, you know, the, the bane of a skeptic to be somebody that, that, that doesn't happen very often to. And so when, mm -hmm. who knows whatever place Hornby was in when he heard, Martha Wainwright's voice come in on that second verse mm -hmm. and was just blown away by it. Yeah. And on another day, he might not have felt the same way about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, because yesterday was apparently the anniversary of like the Strokes' album coming out. I, I, I think I was thinking about the time I, well, it wasn't even that, uh, I think in the UK because it came out, I think the day after, like in September, uh, a month later in the United States. Anyway, I seem to hear nor there. <laughs> I, I was just thinking about how I never, I would probably not like The Strokes if I listened to if this is it the first time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, in given the hype that surrounded them for the months leading up to that debut, I definitely would have not been turned on by it. But for some reason, I, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I listened to it. And I just thought it was the greatest thing I ever heard. Well, uh, it's, I, I think this is actually, and it still is. It still holds up. It's, but there's a thing divine about it. Is would it, would it hold up as well to you? Do you think if you hadn't had that moment, Oh yeah, I think so. Like, obviously, um, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it still would hold. I think it still hold up if I hadn't had that moment. Well, but I, so I guess what I'm what I'm trying because we we seem to have touched on this a lot recently uh, because because um, we're talking about a book that came out while we were in college and in our twenties and. Yeah, but no, I'm, uh, you know, this is going back to our, our first discussion of Sparks. Yeah. Because, you know, as I'd said... At, on the at, bonus at, pod. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, the, the longer discussion is on the bonus pod, but we, we've talked about it a little bit on the, on the regular show. Um, it's the... I, I, I'd been trying to, to get what they were about for a long time because I kept hearing mm -hmm. about their influence and all that kind of thing, and it just wasn't happening, just wasn't happening... And whatever combination of, you know, uh, who I've evolved into and seeing that documentary and just, you know, out of nowhere, after literally years of trying to approach their discography, it just suddenly clicks. Yeah. And it's, it, it really is. It's this kind of like ineffable, which uh, mm -hmm. a word that... <laughs> that Hornby uses in this and and as, as as he says and I agree as a writer you know you really want everything to be effing effable <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because that's kind of your job your 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 uh your your playground is the effable right so <laughs> and 
but there there is something that about you know and i think that this is this at least what i construe from him is that this is why um this is the closest that he feels like he gets to spirituality because there is no real explaining it it's just this this moment in time that you happen to be open to something that's bigger than yourself that you can't explain that makes you feel a way that you can't put your finger on yep and i think that that is is what you know faith and spirituality are to other people mm-hmm. yep i i agree i think that's a good place to end it i yeah sure all right do you want to do recommendations let's do it cool you start me start i started okay. last time you did all right, my recommendation is a show that's been out for a little while, but I, I, I finished watching it. It's only two seasons. I want to say it's like 16 episodes or something. It's called Patriot. Um, I brought this up briefly the other day. It's, it's by, I think the guy's name is Simon Conrad. Anyway, he's, his new show is, um, is Inner City Smiths. Have you have no, you heard no. of it at all? You're, it's you're, like you're, this, you're this speaking this of, whole other language to me. Well... It's it's a new show that has Kristen Bell and Tom Waits and what? Yeah, it's got it's like an it's it looks like a sort of claymation uh, claymation style sort of uh, thing. I haven't seen it yet. It's on AMC Plus or something like that. Ah, oh, um, yeah, it's like another thing I got like exactly. Um, but but the premise of that sounds amazing and I really want to see it. So now I have to figure you out have me how at to Tom Waits and Kristen Bell. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck dude? It, it sounds, it sounds fucking amazing, but, and, and based on what Patriot was, I, I, this is, this is a show and I don't, maybe I overuse the word, but I, I don't think I do, but I'm, I'm going to qualify this and say it is, absolutely just unqualified genius this mm-hmm. show it the the closest thing that i can compare it to and this is not and it's it's not even it's not even remotely close but the idea of well john cusack in gross point blank okay so you know how he has this sort of crisis of conscience and like the need to like suddenly wondering about his choices in life and wanting to get with many driver and have a, a normal life and and all this that and the other right so that is 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 i feel like it's it's kind of a piece of it the 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 show is about this kind of like special ops guy who you know covert operations kind of deal um who is having uh who's having that crisis of conscience and he he does not feel you know he has he has a particular set of skills though and he's very good at his job and um but it's also this comedy of errors cuz there's nothing that goes right every every turn you know, something, something bad happens. And, um, and it's, 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 it's just, it's something that's not only super well written, but it's visually a stunning show. The, the visual language of it is, is it's, it's kind of like, 
it's it's kind of bizarre and surreal in a way that I guess uh, I could liken to Legion. Okay. Um, I, I'm picking up what you're laying down now. And there's, you know, the character is also <laughs> is also a folk singer. And throughout, he's like writing songs about what he's going through. Are you, are you saying that this guy can't have a hobby? <laughs> it's it's really it's it's fucking amazing and you know there's there i mean you would recognize the people in it it's a it's a there's a lot of character actors in it mm-hmm. um it's uh the, the i never watched lost but the 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 main guy's dad is played by the the guy from lost who uh the bald guy from lost oh terry o'quinn yeah uh and it's got kurtwood smith in it um <laughs> And uh, Deborah Winger has a role where I had to like I, I, I did a double take. I'm like, wait, she was in it for a couple of episodes before I was like, wait a minute, is that Deborah Winger? Like she never shows up in anything. I, it's it's just serious. I can't say enough good things about this show. It's so, so smart. Patriot? It's so funny. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, and it's it's one of those things where. I, I took a break during the second season and marathoned my way through all of Veep. Okay. Because I didn't want this show to end. Like, I was dragging out how long it was taking because I just wanted more of it. Yeah. Uh, and then now that I've finished it, it's, it's definitely it's something that I'm going to go back to and rewatch because it, it's one of those things where there's so much to it that you know there are things that you'll see around the second time. Mm-hmm. And it's so layered, too. And there's something that happens. There are things that happen early on in the show that don't pay off until the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to like keep track of all of these things, it's so intricate. And so it's just, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. It's, 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 one, it's, it's, it's easily now one of my favorite shows of all time. It's interesting that you mentioned this because I'm like, I watched Ted Lasso yesterday. And you can see what they're setting up. Mm-hmm how they're taking what they built from last season, how they're slowly building. It's like something new and different. Yeah. And I love the direction it's going, but like there are things from like last season that are like kind of coming into play this season. And mm-hmm. Like it's just when you have that option, when you can do that, like it, it's so rewarding. And I just, but I, and I just wish it were just, it's one of those shows where I wish they were just dumping it like a one, like one. At w- yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things that's cool about Patriot is because you really need to you know keep track of it from one episode to the next. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of why it's nice to be able to binge it because um, honestly, if I'd had to wait a week between episodes, it would have driven me nuts. Yeah, but, it, it drove me nuts yesterday. That first thing I watched is Ted Lasso, and then like, oh god, well, there's now I gotta watch something else. <laughs> um, there was no holy moly this week. <laughs> fucking olympics <laughs> that's 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 what the only rec i'm so hyped about that show that i'm not going to do any other recommendations this week it's just going to be the one it's patriot go watch it it's worth your All worth right. your time um but sidebar yes uh, both ted lasso and physical this this week were were pretty fucking great yeah um so i'm going to recommend uh something a little older you know, with all the Emmy talk mm-hmm. for uh, the lovely Miss Catherine Hahn, mm-hmm. 
uh, for WandaVision. I can't, uh, I uh, can't help but think that I wish it had been like this a couple of years ago, uh, maybe when Mrs. Fletcher had come out. Oh, yeah. Because that is my recommendation this week. Yeah. Mrs. Fletcher. I need to finish watching that. I watched the first few episodes and it was fantastic. And no. Actually, maybe I watched the whole first season. Well, and I think that's the only season. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, it follows the book. Um, so That's a Tom Parada. Yeah. So, uh, I, um, so the, the show, uh, the book came out in 2017 or 18. It's a Tom Parada joint. So, you know, it's about lusty suburbia uh you know in a way um the premise of the book and the show is that um mrs fletcher played by khan uh is becoming an empty nester um as she takes her son to college mm-hmm. um and her son is a typical bro uh mm-hmm. you know uh, Popular in high school, uh, asshole. Thinks he's hot shit. He thinks he's hot shit. Yeah. Watches a lot of porn. Yeah. Um, and she discovers porn for the first time, and she finds it to be a liberating experience for her. Mm-hmm. Where um, for him, it um, it pretty much ruins college for him because he's around all these um, enlightened types. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, so, and because he. Because he was, I I don't know. He definitely wasn't. He, I guess we call him raised on porn. Like it's given him a very skewed world perspective, mm-hmm. where um, it's changed her perspective a little bit and made her a little more, I don't know, uh, bold. Yes. Um, and I just like the little subtleties of the show. Like, um, I watched y'all one sitting. Like I had like one afternoon i think i had like a parada fest i watched little children in the morning and mrs mm. fletcher in the afternoon <laughs> um because hbo uh is the tom parada network <laughs> so, yeah sure so uh, because they also have what's the other one uh the leftovers yeah that's it and i mean i i don't know if election is streaming on there but it's <laughs> freaking well be yeah uh I, I just really enjoyed han's performance um and just like the perspective that like she added to this character, like into this book. Um, and there's so many like other performances and little side plots going on too. Like she's taking like an essay writing class mm-hmm. that I, uh, and her teacher is, uh, um, trans and mm-hmm. just the dynamic, um, how it, just the dynamic between how that plays out with the other students and, um, well, and the storyline of her, of her working in the old folks home too. Yeah. Like, and seeing how, how porn affects people in the old folks home too. Yeah. And there's just a lot of layers to it. And I don't, when I first heard they were making into a TV show, having read the book, I was like, why? Like, <laughs> this is a movie. And, mm-hmm. but it does, what turning into a TV show does is give you a little extra time to get the nuances of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's pretty much a straight retelling of the book, but 
like you're not going to get a second season out of this. And well, I don't think they are. Like I think they It's 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 I think that it's been out for a couple of years at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think right, it's right? like it's two I think it's 2 years old now, but I just really enjoyed Katherine Hahn's performance in this. She's fantastic. She's just um and it's not glossy or showy or anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's just beautiful and subtle and um I just you know, I I can't speak about it enough i wish she would get i wish she got more attention for this for what she brought to for mrs then fletcher division than chewing scenery in wandavision she's very good at it though yeah like it's so different from like when you first met when i first was introduced to katherine hahn mm-hmm. uh it was during uh, it was in stepbrothers when she's trying to hump john c Riley in the bathroom <laughs> every chance she gets like and it's so like wackadoo you know, over the top. She has crazy range. I mean, she's, she's a brilliant actress. Mm -hmm. And I, so, I mean, but by that, because of that, it's to me, it's like, I don't care what she's getting the recognition for at this point. Just happy that she's getting the recognition and accolades. And she should have gotten it like years ago. Yeah. But I'm glad, like, I wish she had gotten it for this because it's definitely like nothing she's ever done. And it's something that I find more, uh, I I find a richer performance than what she gave in one division. Sure. And apparently she'll be in other parts of the universe too. Yeah. From um, what I hear. From what I hear. But uh, well, hey, if you want to hear us talk more Marvel, this uh, the bonus episode coming up here for the end of the month of uh, July is going to be us discussing Loki and Black Widow. Yeah. So. Good times. Spoilers. Yeah. But that's my Spoiler recommendation. City. So Mrs. Uh, Fletcher. Yeah. My recommendation for the week is Mrs. Fletcher. Uh, check out the book. And uh, uh, the book's really good, too. Um, but the show's just... The show's really good, too. If you want to see... If you're jonesing for some Catherine Hahn, mm-hmm. uh, get up on the HBO Max and uh, uh, check that out. And check out Little Children before it leaves HBO this month, too. It's such a... Fantastic movie. Uh, I might have to do that then. I think I have to watch it yeah, tonight then. Tonight. <laughs> Kyle, and you know, I side note, I, I kept thinking the whole time I was watching Little Children, what the fuck happened to Todd Field, man? The director and the writer? Oh yeah. I was like I can like I remember him in Eyes Wide Shut. I remember in the bedroom, just and just being blown away by that. And little children just like ups the ante. And mm-hmm. then I heard he's been like he was going to do like some various projects with some authors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And but like you look mm-hmm. at his filmography, it stops right there. Huh. And I know he should be he should be like Tom McCarthy, like oh yeah, like yeah. you know winning Oscars and uh, working with Matt Damon and uh, Michael Keaton and. Yeah, doing stuff like that, but he's not, and I, I just hope he's happy. And if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Todd Field, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan. If you're listening, Todd Field, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, we would greatly appreciate. Yeah, five it. stars, please. <laughs> um, I mean, we're I'm, I'm a huge fan of your work, uh, uh, and um, yeah, and I, I'd like to see more from you. And uh, but you know, don't. Uh, don't feel obligated. Just do your. Just be happy. 
So uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, the I did want to. Um, you talking about Catherine Hahn made me think. I, I thought that the interview that she did on Conan O'Brien needs a friend was really good. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's definitely one of the better uh, episodes of that. And then that also made me think because then I I was in uh, in podcast listening head. Uh, did you did you catch Lindsey Buckingham? No, I just finished. Um, I just finished Matt Damon. That one was pretty good. I like. I like that one. one a lot. Yeah. Um, it definitely makes me want to see the Last Duel uh, a little bit more than yeah. I did uh, when I saw the trailer. Well, I haven't seen the trailer. For I, I, right. I <laughs> Call back. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but uh, um, and yeah, I liked what he did. With I, it just seemed like a very. It just confirms what I've always believed is that Matt Damon's just like, he's just like us. He puts his pants on the same way. Well, and when he does, he goes and makes movies with his yeah. best friends. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that I enjoy that because hearing about the way he talks about acting to him, it's just, it's what he wants to do all the time. Yeah. It's, you know, he, he said that even when he's not doing it, it's what he wants to be doing, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that kind of thing where it's just, I mean, can you imagine just, being in a, a kind of friendship with Steven Soderbergh where you just read all his scripts and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, could, I could play a role in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll stop by for a few days. Yeah. Like, hey, I love working with Benicio and Cheadle. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll go to Detroit for a day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and, and his, I mean, his, his performance in that was one of my favorite pieces. Oh, and No Sudden Move? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's like a big secret anymore that like he's... That he's got a cameo. He's got a cameo in it. It's 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 really well done. I I, I enjoyed. Did you like that movie? I did. Uh, You know, I I haven't made it one of my recommendations. But the thing is, it's it's like a good. uh, It's 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 a good meal. I was not bothered by the the uh, the lens that he used. Oh, it bothered the shit out of me. I actually felt it appropriate to the mood of the film. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sorry. The the uh, important to the mood of the movie because he likes to make that distinction between a movie and a film. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, honestly, I I thought that I thought that Benicio's role was a little lackluster. There wasn't a lot to that for me. I I, I really liked what Don Cheadle did. I liked more. It's definitely the more. Um of the Benicio roles that I like, I, I, I've seen and enjoy. I, I liked what he brought to it. It's just like, but you could tell like, when you look back, it's like he, he was fucking with Cheadle the whole time. Yeah. And that's, um, well, the thing is like, I didn't pick up on that until like, you realize like Benicio is fucking with him the whole time. Yeah. And you know, like, this movie isn't about catalytic converters. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it go, it's just kind of like what the surface is. I just, I don't, I wish Soberg would, yeah. I, I, the only thing that bothered me about that movie was the lens because it just took me out of it. Like, and, I, I see why he made the choice, though. It, it yeah. definitely gave it, it was a definite stylistic choice. For me, it works. I could see why it might be distracting or disorienting for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. It's also... Um, it's, it's not, it's, you know, it, honestly, if you want to see a better Soderbergh noir, then, then see... Out of sight. Out of sight, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and 
David Harbour was kind of funny in this. He was. I, you know, he's somebody, and we'll talk more about him in the in the bonus pod. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. It was. It's the first good thing I've seen him in a long time, and it's. I don't. Well, no side move is first thing. A good thing I've seen him in a long time, and that is your hint that you okay. need to listen to the down. Need to That's to the interesting, man. So we'll we'll have that conversation here in a minute. But thanks as always for listening. Again, do please rate and review us. Uh, help spread the word. If you're so inclined, if you would like us to, you know, for instance, keep doing the podcast because we're having a, a massive listenership or something, then uh, then by all means, please please help grow that. And yeah. uh, and we do appreciate those who do listen. And we'll uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Keep it mental, Plata peeps. Mental Platypus is a production of Hoot and Waddle, producing fine arts and culture podcasts and publishing works of experimental literature since 2016. To learn more about Hoot and Waddle, please visit hootandwaddle.com. To learn how you can help support and sustain Hoot and Waddle, please visit patreon.com forward slash hootandwaddle. <laughs>